0: It's Monday, which means it's time for the front three with me, Adam Bolt, with the one and only, Lawrence McKenna.
3: Oh, Who, what, 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 where? where?
0: Uh, And Nico Morales is here as well. How you doing? Good to see you. It's great to have you Good to hear you, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Dave is away in Europe somewhere, Lawrence. Am I right in saying
3: Actually, I don't even think Dave's away. I think Dave's
0: just not present tonight. Just not present. Who knows where he is? It's a mystery. Uh, Chris Hennage as well is in the uh, United States, unfortunately, join us tonight. Um, but Nico's stepping in for an international weekend roundup. And, of course, the transfer window review for all the Premier League clubs who will be running through every single team and rating their business. Uh, actually, the GCSE scores have changed, haven't they? They're sort of rating stuff from one to nine in some subjects, aren't they? A to F yeah. in our verse. We'll keep it A to F We'll keep it simple We'll keep it nice and simple For everyone um, Easy to An international just. score Of how crap you are Exactly Exactly um, Before we get into that though Let's talk the international break uh, I love the international break I've been keeping up with it Keeping up with every single second of <laughs> it Because I love it so much uh, First off England Lawrence Very excitingly Yeah They beat Malta First off on Friday night I think it was uh, And they beat, Didn't even need to
3: set uh, a jacket off
0: Yeah And they uh, beat Slovakia 2-1 tonight as well, I'm told. Uh, the most England game ever did just enough, uh, almost guaranteeing qualification now.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, th- th- but that's exactly what people have expected from England for years now. They've always expected to qualify for a tournament very comfortably against teams where they, they're ultimately going to make forgettable performances um, and no one's going to remember the, the small triumphs that they have along the way. The problem is not this part of the tournament what does seem to be a bit of an issue is that even in both of these um results we've seen dissatisfied fans people not only um looking from the outside in and saying oh this is boring this is terrible but also people on the outside looking in and on the inside looking out saying well you don't like that other set of fans a lot of people choosing to pick on the the band that are now playing for england sort of saying how terrible they are the, Because, I mean, let's face it, if you're not that satisfied with what's going on on the pitch, then you can look around you and sort of say, well, how happy are we with the culture of what's going on? Um, And and I think quite a few people are dissatisfied in general. Marcus Rashford, though. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, Marcus Rashford, you know. Deli ali flicking someone off. There's something fascinating about that. I thought um, the phrase was
0: flipping the bird. Is it flicking someone off? That doesn't doesn't sound quite right to me. Is that what people I, think, I, I think was, they both work. So.
3: I was well, thought I flipping it's... the bird was I, I thought a bit a bird had to be two fingers.
0: I mean I may as well google it. Is that, is that offensive though? I don't know. It means victory, what, I think. Flip, no, flipping the bird uh, we, is your middle finger. Deli Alley flipped the yeah. bird. So you learn something new every day. And that's flipping
3: the bird. Uh, What did you say? Flicking him off? You can't. You can't see right now, but I'm. I'm flipping you the bird. (laughs) Um. Yeah, flicking someone
0: else. Okay, both work. Fair enough.
3: Uh, Debate held. You flick them a middle finger, don't
0: you? Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, we probably spent too much time on that. But uh, moving swiftly on, uh, Marcus Rashford, Nico. What a player! He is amazing and England's great
2: hope. Definitely. Just like every other uh, young English player that has a a tiny bit of talent comes through, is supposedly the next uh, messiah. So you know, right there with you. Do
0: you think it's becoming obvious yet that I haven't watched a minute of international football and I don't really care? Is, is this
2: if you so hadn't said through? it. If you hadn't said it, I don't think anybody would have picked up on it because I don't think any of the people listening watched either, frankly. I think,
0: so. no, I think we, we gave Deli in hindsight, just about as much time as he needed. That was the most momentous moment from that match, to be fair.
3: Um, a lot of people watch the highlights just to see what their own club members have done. So, for instance, a lot of Manchester United people will only watch just to see what someone from Manchester United has done. That's... Uh...
0: Let's try and get through this international stuff done as quickly as possible. Jesus. Uh, let's touch on the notable stuff. Uh Ben Woodburn, uh Lawrence. I saw a lot about I saw a lot about him this weekend. He scored a yeah. absolute screamer, apparently. Is Wales new great hope? He's the next Gareth Bale, etc. Uh
3: I think he's uh, I it's tricky because uh obviously he plays in a similar position to Bale. Bale some seems very impressed with him. Uh people are asking what he is the next of. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of other Welsh figures there. You know, if if he comes from Liverpool, maybe Ian Rush is a good figure to emulate. Uh, Although it's virtually impossible to emulate him goals-wise at this point. He got on the pitch. There was a beautiful moment when the Welsh fans finished singing a a song. I don't know if it's the Welsh national anthem or not. Um, And then suddenly, out of nowhere, he brings the ball down from an Austrian clearance and wins the game 1-0. If there's one thing to criticise, it's maybe the fact the goalkeeper sort of Fell rather than dived, but it was still a sort of a shock to score. that from there, mm, he sort of ended and, on his back somehow. The goalkeeper I was quite confused. By yeah, that. weirdly, as, as if he, as if he already knew the ball was going to go past him. Um, and you know, I guess that that's one of those unsavable shots. But it's still it's it's great for him. He scored uh, now for Wales. He's also scored for Liverpool as well, and he's making a great case for being, um, you know, one of the more senior players or one of the more youthful senior players in the team. So it's fantastic for Liverpool and fantastic for Wales. He's been at Liverpool for a very long time since uh, since he was very, very young, considering he's Welsh and Liverpool have a very good connection with there. So it's great for them. And I, I don't think anyone's getting too carried away uh, with it because he's Welsh, which I, I don't mean that in a disparaging, I, in a disparaging way. I mean, that in one of the most positive ways is that, you know, Wales seems like um, a place where people don't w- want to get too... Too carried away until it almost seems appropriate.
2: Keep your Surely, right. Lawrence. He, he doesn't he doesn't uh, have a chance of working his way into the to the starting to the starting eleven or even the the squad, considering you know the depth of talent that they have in attack. Right, uh, uh, w- Wales. I'm talking about Liverpool,
3: right? Okay. Um, uh, I mean, if there's anyone who's good at integrating youth into their team or is maybe rightly or wrongly known for giving young people a chance. It would be Jürgen Klopp. Um, Those players are going to need to rotate throughout the season. And as much as at the moment they look, you know, full of vigor because they're three or four games in international breaks, begin to take their toll. And at that point you need to dig a little deeper. Um, Why not go down to Ben Woodburn? He seems in great form. He scored against Austria, a perfectly legitimate international side. Um, uh, you know, if, if Klopp's impressed with him, then bring him on for little cameos. Why not?
0: 17 years old. Very impressive stuff. Um, elsewhere a whole tonight... A
3: decade younger than you, Bolt.
0: Yeah, and then some. Um, elsewhere tonight, I should also mention uh, Scotland beat Malta 2-0. Uh, they're in the playoff hunt, as it were, with, uh, with a win there. Uh, Northern Ireland are on the verge of the playoffs after a 2-0 win of their own against the Czech
3: Republic.
0: Uh, there, is some, just, there is
3: something to say, actually, about Northern Ireland. I, mean, I, mean, I don't mean in particular something to say about Northern Ireland, but I do sort of mean um, the overall, just how positive it is over there for the fact that I think at one point people sort of saw that as a bit of a dead project. Um, and now it's it's sort of coming back to life. So there's some, there's some excitement. Yeah, that, that's the
0: second place. Hopefully a place in the World Cup as well. Uh,
2: Germany also beat uh, Norway 6-0, Nico. That's exciting, isn't it? Always exciting. Always nice to see Mesut Özil play well, um, because he's certainly not going to play well with this club team, right? <sighs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a rarer and rarer occasion nowadays. Uh,
0: why was he so good against Norway, uh, and why, why isn't it working from Arsenal then?
2: I, I think uh, Yogi Lowe has a like any good international manager knows the strengths of his players and how to accentuate them. And I think that's something that maybe Arsene Wenger cannot do anymore. I, I I read recently some of the quotes that he had about the way that he likes to structure his attack. And you get the, you get the image that maybe, you know, he talked about positioning his midfielders in certain places because of the way that uh, uh, teams like to set up against them and goal kicks and, and how they like to structure uh, some of their midfielders. And, and it does make sense as to their defensive uh, fragility in some sense, because, I think, from a tactical standpoint, you have to look at uh, you know some of the, the the shortcomings of those midfielders because they're so high up the pitch, and and I think. Some of these uh, some of these trends and some of the way that Wenger set some of the ways that Wenger sets up his team now um, are sort of scars of of being in the Premier League for for too long and maybe taking uh, a few many two beatings and maybe more recently at the hands of Liverpool. Um, so you know I I don't think that Arsene Wenger is is using the the German in the, in the best way, but we see you know some of his best form for his country. So mm. uh, I think that's the way it will stay until he leaves. On a similar note, there is note,
3: a disappointing yeah, so well there is disappointing side to Germany international break as well obviously uh the german fans singing i think what most people are going to call nazi songs um really and, yeah you J- love and i think uh, matt's Hummels saying how disappointed they were matt's Hummels in particular picking out i mean i listened to raffle raffle today on another podcast saying basically how this was something that seemed underlying in the german uh fan base for a while um and, uh, you know, the people had sort of tried to keep it under wraps. And this is something that's been coming through for a while now. And here it is. And the players didn't go over to the fans afterwards. They said they were disgusted by it um, and didn't want to congratulate the fans. So, you know, I'll, I, you know, you'll, you'll always uh, speak positively about the rejection of any sort of mm. Nazism, but um, particularly disappointing considering history, et cetera, and how you'd like to think people are moving forward.
0: Mm, fair play for the uh, the stern words. I mean, it should be done condemning that sort of behaviour, but I'm glad that Jrglove and Matt Smalls have come out and sort of slammed it so. Very so, openly,
3: which is something they didn't do in the past.
0: Yes. Um,
3: <laughs> Can I say there is actually quite a fun tweet from uh, from the England game? Go on. Bonnie Roney tweeted tonight saying that oh, he was at Wembley and the guy in front of him tweeted uh, sorry, didn't tweet, he shouted, DNA, culture, express your identity.
0: Wow. Why didn't the England players just take that on board straight away and just, you know, wipe them away 8-0? If they heard it, you know, imagine, the, the players might have done just
3: that. Just imagine someone standing up at the England game and just going, DNA, culture. Just
0: a random collection of words.
3: your identity. Jesus
0: the <laughs> state changed, of it. The state it? of it. Um, I'll tell you
3: this, they didn't win the war for that sort of
0: charm. I'll tell That's you now. Um... I was going to say, uh, Nico, before, uh, on a similar theme of Wenger perhaps not using Urzo in the right way in the club setup, uh, I've seen Barcelona accused of the same for Iniesta and Busquets. Of course, we've seen a lot over the past season or so that both of these players are finished, and yet they thrived in this Spanish team that beat Italy 3-0.
2: Yeah, a lot of people really beating the dead horse that is the supposed Barcelona in crisis, you know, the team with the greatest player of all time, supposedly in crisis, um, but I think if I can get his name right, Lopez um, is someone that, that Spain fans like myself doubted, uh, after the, 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 resignation of Del Bosque, even though a lot of people were calling for it, you know, the his style of football seemed to be uh, a little bit stale at that point. And although he had done what no international manager has ever done before in, in achieving an international treble. I think a lot of people felt it was time uh, to move on, not only from him, but also the era of players in which brought Spain so much success. Andres Iniesta, Sergio Busquets, Xavi had retired, Xavi Alonso had retired. Um, you know, David Villa is being re- recalled now, but it looked like he was on his way to retirement at the time. Um, and so I think the the positive thing that he's done is really uh, integrate the new golden generation uh with this older generation you see uh, fantastic performances from Busquets and, and Iniesta but on the pitch at the same time as some of these newer guys like Isco and like Koke and and some of these other guys so you you want that experience that blend of uh of guys that have done everything that you can at the international stage especially you know since this is this game was a bit of a rarity you often often don't see a qualifier that means so much against two European giants, essentially. And this game did mean something for who would uh, go through a certain um, deliberation process for the playoffs, I think. So uh, it was a good game from Spain. They have weapons. They're they're transitioning, like I said, into a newer golden generation of players. They have one of the best goalkeepers in the world. They have excellent fullbacks and excellent midfielders. Um, So they have their weaknesses, but they also have their strengths. Um, And so it, it was a really good game to watch as well. Boltwood, can I I just drop in? Deli Ali has just tweeted three minutes ago. Just
3: to clarify, the gesture tonight was a joke between me and my good friend Kyle Walker. Apologies for any offence caused. Of <laughs> course,
2: cool so it was. Did it, you, it, did you see cool it. So it wasn't. I, think it, I think it was. I think it was the game against Malta. Um, maybe a, a perfect example of the difference between Manchester United, and Manchester City. Kyle Walker was calling for uh, Marcus Rashford to play the ball out because one of the opponent's players was down injured, and Marcus Rashford instead decides to play a long ball to Harry Kane, in which he scored. That's the Mourinho. That's the
0: Mourinho mindset. I that, love it. Uh, yes. um, Talk to me about Isco. Nico, he's one of those weapons that you mm-hmm. mentioned there. Uh, obviously, two goals for him against Italy, the star of the show. He seems to have hit his groove almost.
2: Yeah, I think he's one of the guys that is, along with Casimiro and maybe a few other guys like Marco Asensio and and some of those uh, players that came through Castilla, although Esco uh, was not one of them, um, who's really benefiting from Zidane's uh, reign as, as the Real Madrid manager um, and really as a, as a Real Madrid supporter and someone that's taken a special interest in, in some of their politics as a club from a very young age. I think uh, a few years ago when Real Madrid purchased him from Malaga, a lot of people felt that he should be in the team and he should have had a bigger role. And there were times where, um, you know, in the transfer rumor in the summer, uh, we felt that he might leave because he wasn't getting enough play time. And, and you saw the the clash between his playtime and then the playtime of someone like James Rodriguez. And that's really where the politics of Real Madrid come into play where you know, James Rodriguez was a huge commercial quality for the South American market and, and people that were going to relate to that uh, type of image at Real Madrid. And, and he had just come off an excellent World Cup and he's a fantastic player. But um, a lot of Real Madrid fans really feeling that Isco should be a part of that team. And now um, it, not even him being excellent, no matter when he was called upon, whether it was a sub appearance or, you know, the the random start in the cup or whatever, um, it's taken a, an injury to consistent injuries rather to gareth bale that he's sort of uh, been put into this 442 diamond and just been excellent and so it's really good to see him enjoying his football not only a, a, with spain um which spanish fans always felt that he could but also with real madrid and, and he's an exceptional player as far as the comparisons to messi ronaldo I, I think that's a little far i think he's you know one of those exceptional players but those two are on really in a, another planet but i think he's going to be one of the guys that's um instrumental to spain's future success
0: mm. Uh finally, uh, in wrapping up this international break, I uh, probably mentioned France, Lawrence, um, a lot of consternation yeah. over their draw with Luxembourg, Didier Deschamps is tactically inept, etc.
3: Well, when people sit deep, often managers get accused of being tactically inept. Uh, but I mean, there you are uh however there is quite an interesting uh stat between the two sides obviously to accentuate the fact that one team is worth a lot of money the other is not worth a lot i think tonight france worth over 400 million in their starting lineup of course not relevant relevant to france's um international team who haven't bought french players although dave would lead you to believe that certain people are a nationality by trade um and then uh, I think the uh, the who did they play
2: Luxembourg, Luxembourg,
3: Luxembourg. They were uh, un- worth under thirty thousand pounds, maybe showing uh, the international value and the difference between the two. Let me hit you with
0: some other stats. Uh, France had thirty four shots. Luxembourg had one. Um, in the second half, France had seventy nine percent of possession. Uh, Paul Pogba alone had eight shots on goal more than nice. any other player. How many how many dabs did he have? Yeah, that's the, that's the real stats. What was his <laughs> dab completion rate? Um, I think they had got sixteen here. shots blocked total. Ow. Defender Kevin Malget made twenty clearances for, uh, for Luxembourg alone. Uh, but funnily enough, the Luxembourg goalkeeper Jonathan Jobert only had to make eight saves. So yeah, out of those thirty four shots, uh, only eight of them four saves. So there you go. Uh, what did you make of this? Nico, because, you know, as Lawrence is pointing out there, they had players on the pitch, the likes of Antoine Griezmann, Kylian Mbappe, uh, you know, Alexander Lacazette's players who are valued or worth uh, incredible sums. And yet, here we go, uh, a nil-nil draw against Luxembourg.
2: I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people that seek to make the headlines and make certain you know, claims like Lawrence pointed out that, that, that one team is obviously of immense quality and the other is full of relative unknowns. Um, but the reality of the situation is this is a, a really good tell on on how um, something that I've really been focusing on lately, which is, you know, the the evolution of football tactics over the past 20 years. And, and now, you know, teams at a professional level, if you're willing to sit in and be compact, it doesn't matter maybe the difference in skill level necessarily. You can hold off a team of immense quality. You know, you look at France, they're they're flush pretty much at every position with excellent players. Um, But if a team defends in their 18-yard box for the entire game, no matter what, it's very difficult. No matter if you have one of the best coaches in the world, no matter if you have some of the best midfielders and forwards in the world, it's very difficult to score. And I think that's the case here. It's not something to be made a big deal out of because France are still France and, and Luxembourg are still Luxembourg. So I think it's it's not really something that, to, 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 that requires a great deal of analysis. It just it is what it is. Anything else we would like to mention from the international break specifically
0: before we thankfully move on?
2: We saw the, uh, we saw the miraculous, and I'm curious to hear Lawrence's words on this, uh, miraculous back injury recovery from Philippe Coutinho. I mean, he was amazing. Yeah. A, mi- a miracle.
3: A miracle, or should we just call it what it is, football shit shithousery? Oh, I like it, um, I like it. But we we all know why he had a back injury. We all know what he wanted to do. He hasn't achieved that, so we'll have him at least until January. Um, and then we'll see what happens after that.
2: Will it, Will he go in January, Lawrence? Uh, I, I'd i imagine
3: it would be interesting to see where he would. Um, the
2: Coutinho... There's only one place, and Dave's there right now. Supposedly, allegedly, we
3: don't. Well, we don't know. Um, we don't know where Dave is. But the 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 thing with Coutinho is, I think Liverpool would need someone to come in to offer a tactical alternative. There is talk of Liverpool getting a loaning Naby Keita in January, which would definitely soften the blow. Um, maybe allow Jurgen Klopp to change things up a little bit. Doesn't really give Liverpool a playmaker in the way that uh, they want. Um, yeah, I've got, Liverpool fans are disappointed, but he's going to have to be reintegrated. And Jurgen Klopp will go down the normal affable route that he does, and I'm sure that he'll find a way to spin it and convince Liverpool fans that Coutinho will do very well in this final season. I think most people are now expecting, but don't expect to see Coutinho on the back of too many shirts. Mm. He he did it.
2: He did it with Lewandowski and and at Dortmund. I think for his final season, and I think he scored, He got the golden. They give him like a cannon in the Bundesliga for having the most yeah, stuff.
3: Yeah, ironically, because Arsenal obviously keep getting absolutely trashed every time I go to Germany. Um, There's also the interesting side that Emre Chan's contract is out come the Mm. end of the season. And so from January, he can also maybe negotiate with the likes of Juventus, who are said to be in for him. Uh, I think it's a top priority for them to get that sorted.
0: Before we move on to the transfer window review then, we probably should mention the other big news from the weekend is that La Liga asked UEFA to investigate Manchester City. Uh, Javier Tabas, the president of La Liga, saying that the financing of PSG and Manchester City through state aid distorts European competition. Uh, very interesting news. Uh, UEFA, though, apparently choosing to ignore the complaint, um, declaring that they won't be probing into Manchester City's spending, um, which was actually the biggest uh, spend ever, I believe, in a transfer market. Was it 200 or Yeah. Oh,
2: Um, I think the reason that they've chosen to ignore the, uh, inquiry into, you know, looking to specifically Manchester city, I think maybe PSG is a different, uh, a different ball of earwax is because maybe a few years ago, had they made the claim, then certainly city might've been, uh, in the wrong to some extent or supposedly in the wrong, but city have actually, uh, I think this season, yeah, October 17th, um, or earlier this year, they announced their second straight year of, I think almost 400 million in revenue. Um, so it, it, they're well within the, the financial fair play uh, rules and for three it, it, consecutive that, years now that, that
3: 400 million of revenue was completely legit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, 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 ha- I think they were audited by someone and they, they, it checks out. So
0: does it though? Well, we'll see. Um, a lot, of, uh, a lot of accusations that it's a bit rich of the Liga Low Lawrence to, to sort of make these complaints, as it were. Um, many bringing up the fact... I also...
3: I, yeah. Uh, many bringing up the fact that obviously Barcelona had um, Qatar on the front of their shirts for quite some time. Also, um, the fa- I wasn't aware was the of this team.
0: fact, but also, apparently, I saw this brought up a lot of the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Athletic Bilbao, I believe, Osasuna, they paid less tax Than they should have for more than two decades, so that's being seen as you know a form of state aid, as it were, that La Liga seems to be so up in arms about. There's a sort of a controversy there, isn't
3: there? I mean, well, yeah, definitely. There's also um, there's I mean, there's also the fact that um, most well, a lot of companies now are obviously connected to the state. Uh, I think Azerbaijan or visit Azerbaijan. Uh, it sponsored Atletico Madrid at Atletico one time. Madrid, and now they're going yeah. there. In the now Champions. they're going there, obviously, yeah. Um, and then there's also the, the lovely press conference that Barcelona gave at one time, claiming that there was a phone call on the final day of the transfer window, where Liverpool said, we'll take €200 million Euros for Felipe Coutinho. Uh, I, I mean, Brinkmanship. I just thought that was quite entertaining. Well, not even Brinkmanship. It's better than Brinkmanship. It's just literally, I had this image in my head of John Henry go, literally turning to the Liverpool board and going, watch this. <laughs> Hello, is that Barcelona? Yeah. 200 million. I do I
0: want to, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the, uh, I would like to shell out a Bleacher Report. Did a little, almost like a sort of mini documentary that I saw on Twitter about deadline day uh with sheffield united i don't know if you've reviewed guys yeah sheffield.
2: i i did see it I, yeah i thought, I thought it was, that was uh, good i thought that was pretty interesting you thought it was good yeah, yeah. You know, i mean i know. thought i thought the execution of the doc the mini series or mini uh, documentary was good but i just thought it, it was a perfect insight into how little thought um is put into you know professional football it's kind of sad in the, res- in yeah. the
0: approach of sheffield united
2: yeah he was just like yeah we'll get him in and you know Yeah, but that's what I thought was almost
0: so interesting, seeing that inside sort of uh, aspect of it. You know, we hear all these stories that go on and dead on day and how frantic it is, but is funny to see, like you say, perhaps the the manager in the club not having the best strategy, the best approach to the market <laughs> itself, but also the agents and the players sort of changing their minds, flip flopping. Like Lawrence staying there on a bigger scale, Barcelona suddenly being like, oh yeah, yeah. you know, Liverpool coming in, and say two hundred million, you can have him. The, it, it seems to be a problem at all aspects of the game. is sort of chaos that sort of erupts on one specific I, day.
3: I, I, what, what what it sort of struck me that obviously there is a bit of that um, that side as well, but also with from the the Barcelona press conference just that Barcelona thought people were going to buy that that they were sort of sat there and they were like yeah I mean how ridiculous is it that Liverpool asked for 200 million for Philippe Coutinho and you're like they just sort of put like a a, you know makeshift buyout on him
2: and you guys didn't <laughs> pay it you know Did, does does Philippe Coutinho not have a buyout clause in and of him like as it, a player like not, could they not trigger not- that it's not mandatory
3: in the UK, um, and I, I think what is interesting is that in his renegotiation of his contract, which he only signed months ago, he didn't get one put in. Um, obviously, to show how uh, committed he was to the club. Um, but I think
2: I think that speaks to the the surprise and and the. Um, you know how surprising it was that that Neymar actually left because I think all these things are uh, a down or are a direct result. Like Philippe Coutinho probably would have never thought of leaving Liverpool or at least thought of leaving it this summer had Neymar not left. I think if Neymar stays, then it's a completely different situation. There's no, oh right. uh, no, I disagree. Yeah. You don't think so?
3: Yeah, and no, I, I think Barcelona were always going to target Coutinho this summer. I think that seemed fairly okay. clear. But then I, 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 um, I obviously also think that there's. There's a real problem at uh, Barcelona anyway in terms of their hierarchy. I don't think it's necessarily the club in crisis that everyone seems to be writing about, but I do think there are issues there. And yeah.
2: then there's plug, also plug for the bonus also,
0: podcast. Check out the bonus podcast about Barcelona with the uh, yeah. Barcelona podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Adam did a great job there. there.
3: There's also the the issue that obviously if Neymar had stayed, then there would have been speculation surrounding him anyway because Neymar and Coutinho are particularly good friends. So.
0: Mm oh yeah they're always chatting away aren't they um let's move on to the transfer window review uh fair play to nico actually made the international uh roundup pretty interesting there but it's time to move on to the really interesting stuff did i not i mean you gave it a good shot but i mean nico come on he he brought it to another level um this is your chance to shine Uh, out lawrence as we get into the transfer window review
1: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast.
0: So, we're gonna go through every single team and give our verdict. Uh, we're gonna try, and, um, uh, try to come to a, a decision together. We're going to grade each team's business from A to F. There's only one place to start, and that is, of course, Arsenal. Let's talk about the incomings first. Uh, Lawrence, only two men on that list. First off, Alexandre Lacazette from Lyon for uh, £46 million. And then Sead Kolasinac from Schalke, a free signing in defence. Uh, He's like a good signing. opening,
3: two good opening paragraphs there. Do you
0: know? Yes. This essay that Arsenal writing is, is <laughs> It started well. well. It started off uh, well. So, yeah, perhaps the fact that there's only two incomings uh, is an aspect that we should, uh, we should pick up on first. But what do you make of the quality of those signings in and of themselves, Lawrence?
3: Two good quality signings, but I think a lot of people would say you need more ins. Um, so that, you know, it's, it's to evaluate them as individual transfers. Yeah, great transfers within a wider plan. But the wider plan did not seem to materialise. Mm. So like I say, Two great paragraphs within a shit essay. Yeah, we we come onto the shit essay
0: as it were now. Um, let's talk a little bit about the outgoings briefly. Nico, um, of course, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, perhaps most eye-catching departure, thirty-five million to uh, to Liverpool. Uh, Gabriel, surprisingly, perhaps also went to Valencia for ten million. Uh, some would say maybe Arsenal did well to get ten million for Chesney from Juventus as well. Uh, Kieran Gibbs leaving for West Bromwich Albion for seven million. Those are sort of the the, the big outgoings the big permanent outgoings as it were is that a case of sort of shipping out the dead wood finally something that a lot of Arsenal fans have been asking of the club for for many years now or do you think
2: Alex Oxley chamberlain that could prove to be an oversight I think like I touched on before I think Arsene Wenger hasn't necessarily done the best in, in getting you know, the best the best form out of some of those players. I think our perception of Alex Osley chamberlain will largely change in, at Liverpool because I think Klopp will be able to use him, whether it be in a central role or a wide role. I happen to think it's a central role, but, um, you know, I think our perception will, will change because I think he's a fantastic player that just hasn't, been played in the right circumstances and really what's going on Arsenal at Arsenal right now both behind the scenes and on the pitch doesn't really seem to be working and it it comes down to to a certain person but we won't talk about um, them quite yet but also I think to criticize the other outgoings I mean Gabriel certainly wasn't fantastic and, and made a lot of errors and didn't cover himself in glory in his time at um arsenal but you have you want center back depth when you play a three-back system and to let that go for 10 million i mean y- at, at most you have a, a, a backup that can do a decent job was Wojcik- actually did. uh a brilliant job at Roma in my opinion and to let that go for 10 million although it is a goalkeeper and you see maybe reduced fees in that in that part of the pitch it still seems a bit of a mistake um Kieran Gibbs I don't have too too much of an opinion on but Joel Campbell and Lucas Perez going to places on loan mm. I think Joel Campbell and Joel for you know that first of all they brought in Lucas Perez just a season ago um and he looked a promising player whenever he did play so I don't really understand that and the same thing is with Joel Campbell he seems to keep going out on loan whenever and I think he's a player that could genuinely make an impact if played correctly. But yet again, there's all these there there are all these things and tactical things that Arsene Wenger yeah. doesn't seem to really understand or want to change. That he's not getting the best out of a lot of players that could be doing a lot better. Perhaps the biggest
0: sort of story, as it were, of the transfer window for Arsenal-Lawrence was the fact that they did manage to keep hold of Alexis Sanchez, but I was really struggling to understand their strategy in this one. First off, of course, uh, it's a sort of a historical problem of Arsenal almost to let their players run down their contract to get into the final year, the final 12 months of their deals, where, you know, as you just mentioned, with Chan, with they can sort of negotiate with foreign clubs come January. It just seems like uh, pure negligence on Arsenal's part. And then uh, to insist on this not-for-sale policy that Arsene Wenger talked about all summer long, there was no way he was going, they were prepared to keep him, to lose out on a, on a big fee this summer. To relax that on the last day, seemingly, to agree in principle to sell him to Manchester City for a reported 60 potentially £70 million, pounds, and then try and get Thomas Lamar in on that final day in a, in a pretty uh, wild move. I, I just can't understand the strategy there.
3: Well, that's, well, it was because there wasn't really a, a strategy. Um, man's not hot. It doesn't. There wasn't really a strategy in there um, because
2: they, they hadn't thought of that. Um, I think there's a strategy, like but it's outdated. Which is? Well, um, I think you guys had Stephen Housen on the last pod and, and him talking about, you know, he doesn't understand why uh, uh, clubs leave it to the last day to make certain decisions. But I think there is there can be an advantage and a disadvantage to leaving it so late. And maybe this is something that was illuminated by Bleacher Report's little thing with uh, Sheffield – was it United or Wednesday or whatever it was? um, Sheffield United, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you make – you can leverage a club into making a decision um, that they otherwise would not have on a different, you know, on a, in different circumstances yeah, um, exactly. by waiting until the final day. And yes, at at times when things don't come off, it can seem stupid. But in some situations, you know, there was uh, rumors about Daniel Levy leaving until the last day for Ross Barkley to try to leverage them into a move. If a club isn't budging on a price, but they want to let a player go. Then they're more likely to sell if you have that concrete offer on the table, um, well, and it's you know deadline day. But it, it didn't come off for Arsenal, is, and it's possibly an outdated type well, of you know transfer well, policy. But.
3: It, it's also that they they do seem to react a lot more in the transfer window rather than be proactive very often. Are you Ar- you're talking about uh, Arsenal? Yeah, if you look at um, Lacazette, they could have had Lacazette years ago, apparently. Um, you know, Lamar even seemed like a reaction to the fact that Lamar's people had floated on the market that he was interested in and move away from uh, Monaco. And then, uh, and you know, you even look at the likes of Ozil, which was another player that was floated by Real Madrid, and in the end, uh, Arsenal bit, if you like. Um, there's a number of reactionary Transfers rather than sort of taking the initiative. um in, and, in and and sense, a, a lot- I
2: feel like sorry. In that sense, I feel like we beat Wenger with the same stick that we might praise somebody else for doing certain things. In the sense that I think he holds a massive amount of confidence for the players that he has at the club and maybe the players that he's brought through himself or the players that he but, wants but to bring through right, himself. And, and
3: that's very that's very admirable. That's very admirable, I think, within a certain time frame. But we've all. You know, a few years ago, we probably could have made that argument. We could have made it convincingly. But now the, those very same players, sorry, I'll just finish this one. Those very same players who he, he's shown that confidence in have all gone in this transfer window, maybe a previous one and maybe in the next one to either run their contract down or say they want to leave the club and go to Liverpool, go to even West Brom, go to other places. So those people who shown the same confidence in haven't shown that confidence in him. So we can't lord him for that.
0: There's no way to defend as well, Nico, surely uh, the fact that Sanchez can now leave for free next summer unless, uh, I guess, a-, a club could come in for him in January. seems unlikely. The same of Erzil, who's in the final 12 months of his contract. It's potentially, a, what, 100000000 million, £150 million write-off?
2: Yeah, I mean, there, there is. No, you're right. There is no defending of that because if you look at those two players, they're they're magnificent, and I think they still hold a lot of quality for a lot of clubs. Obviously, Manchester City were supposedly very interested in Alexis Sanchez, and they had no interest though in in giving Arsenal a player in exchange. They wanted it for pure cash, and now the idea of him leaving on a free next summer, although he probably I think he's 30 years old next summer, um, is pretty damning and especially if you compile that with someone um, as good as Mesut Ozil then then where does that really leave the club you have to imagine that it it, as much as maybe I've defended Wenger for making certain decisions if those two players leave on on freeze then that's really unexcusable okay Nico rate this window for Arsenal then A to F what we saying uh I'm gonna say C plus because I like (sighs) the incomings I just don't like Mm. the outcomings I was going to go for a D. Uh, what are you saying, Lawrence?
3: I was also going to go for a round. Uh, I mean, it's not so much the actual window itself as, you know, like like I say, we've got those, that shining opening paragraph, but it's the, the fact that it sets it up for the rest of the year to really not play into their... Um, Not not play into their hands. I mean, it could all play into their hands, and we might find out that you know Ozil's playing the long game, Sanchez is playing an extremely long game. Um, None of the indicating signs show that, and so it's going to have to be a D plus. D plus. Should we? Can we? Can we agree on C C minus?
0: C minus? Maybe. I think we can go D. I'll I'll bring the down and say we'll say D plus. D plus. D plus. I don't even know if that's a thing, but we'll give it D+. Plus. We'll go for that. Um, next up, Bournemouth, uh, £30 million spent. Uh, the biggest signing was, of course, Nathan Ake from Chelsea for £20 million. He was, of course, on loan there last season. Uh, Asmir Begovic also coming in from Chelsea for £10 million. Uh, and, of course, Jermaine Defoe on a free transfer from Sunderland. Did the business nice and early. Nico uh, improved the squad depth. Uh, what do we think of,
2: uh, of Bournemouth's business? Uh, good, except for maybe uh, Begovic and Defoe, I have issues with. I think Nathan Aké is brilliant. He's so because, <laughs> uh, I think I think Nathan Aké is brilliant because you had a you had him as a player on loan there, and then Chelsea, for whatever reason, um, did not show any interest in keeping him. And so you already know that he's going to fit into your system, you know, well. And and you have a player that that maybe um, has somewhat of a home there and somewhat of a. Uh, Um, emotional attachment to the club, so I think it's a really good signing, and and maybe, I mean, probably we'll see Nathan Nathan Ake move on soon, but I think they'll definitely make that money back considering Mm -hmm. his his projected value. Um, Begovic, the reason I want to criticize that is not because he's a bad goalkeeper, but because of the way Eddie Howe likes to play, and I don't think uh, Begovic is particularly talented with his feet, Um, so I don't, understand how that you know continues to perpetuate the type of football that he wants to play at bournemouth um and then defoe obviously was a free transfer um he is quite old as lawrence mentioned i'm a bit of an ageist. but at the same time i think they signed him on a five-year deal to some uh considerable wages and i just i don't agree with that because it doesn't uh, with bournemouth and with clubs like bournemouth every transfer you make has to make you back the money that you're spending and they didn't spend any in the, the situation, but in terms of wages and, and all that stuff and more. And I, I just mm. don't think that Defoe will be viable for that long. And he takes up a squad spot for someone, uh, a young striker that you could you know mold and, and really uh, uh, put into the team and give chances to, and instead you have, who you can depend on for maybe a year two at most mm,
0: yeah it did seem at first to be a sort of short term a good short term option but yeah that five-year deal was definitely raised question marks um Bournemouth also potentially the one thing they missed out on maybe an attacking sort of winger Lawrence They were after Damari Gray they had a bid of uh, 20 million plus rejected in this window i um, so that could potentially cost them
3: uh, I don't think it'll cost them uh, so dearly in the league, but I, you know, in the long run, I think it's one of those. But yeah, they they would have wanted uh, to, to acquire there. I also think, uh, in terms of Bournemouth, and in terms of quite a few uh, teams, I do wonder how many of them will thought will have thought, should we have stuck with the manager or should we have twisted this summer, considering that Marco Silva was out there on the market. Um, I know we could only choose to go to one team in the end, which with Watford, but there are that there was that twist factor that you just. There are so many squads mm. in Premier League you look at and you think, "How did Marco Silva was in charge of?" You're
0: suggesting that maybe Bournemouth should have traded in Eddie Howe, got rid of Eddie Howe for Marco Silva. Uh, y- yeah. Wow, Eddie Howe, he's
3: England's
2: incorrect.
0: great
3: white hope. No. What do you mean incorrect? Incorrect, Lawrence. That's what I mean.
0: It's interesting that.
3: Do you think it's a hypothetical? You can't You literally hypotheticals cannot be correct or incorrect, but
0: but as Nico may is going to suggest now, he's one of the most promising young managers in the game. I think it is interesting though that you know, uh, alongside Crystal Palace and West Ham, they've started the season very poorly zero points, zero wins. Yet, of course, Frank de Boer and uh, Slaven Bilic taking all the heat there,
3: true.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Lawrence in, in that I think Marco Silva is an incredibly talented manager, but I hold Eddie Howe of, of high regard as well, and I think he brings a fantastic style of football to to Bournemouth, and that's not something that you see too often as such an engaging style of play, um, maybe not at the top half of the table. So um, I think there's a good, really good relationship between him and Bournemouth, and until he moves on, which I think if Eddie Howe is to make a move, I think it should be that jump because we, we talk about the, the ideas in football and how they translate to different clubs, and I I think he's one that would translate really well to a uh, a club of a higher tier and players of a of a higher quality. Um, mm. But you know, it would have been it would have been good as well to see uh, uh, Marcus Silva at Bournemouth too, because I think he's going to do great things with Watford. I think he'll finish in the top half. Mm. What are we going for with uh, Bournemouth? There maybe a B something around that sort of mark, Nico. Yeah, I'll go B.
0: Yeah, Lawrence. Agree. I think C
3: plus, but yeah,
0: sure. B minus. B minus. We'll agree on B minus. Uh Brighton, Brighton and Hove Albion next. Uh they've broken their own transfer record regularly over the summer. Uh, over forty three million pounds spent. Um
3: perhaps... Do you think that's how they plan it. They yeah. just sort yeah. of go Should we just... let's first of all buy three million, and then we'll go five, then yeah. we'll go seven, then we'll go thirteen and a half. Ah, <laughs> oh, the other player was twelve point seven. Big
0: outlay. Though there, uh, Nico, they, uh, they brought in Jose Esquerdo from uh, Club Bruges for 13.5 million. Uh, Brian fans do seem excited about that one, but potentially light up front, they made a move for Vincent Janssen on deadline day, which fell through in the end, um, maybe for the best.
2: To be honest, I, I can't speak with a great deal of confidence on, on the, mo- the majority of the transfers are really them as a club. I haven't seen too much of them. Um, but it's I think it's it, the, the little that I do know, it, it is good to see that they did spend and make quite a few signings because they have to make that jump from the Championship to the Premier League. And a lot of those players do look of the, of the quality that is required, although I think they still will get relegated.
0: 13 players in total brought in, uh, including Tim Krul on loan from Newcastle. Uh, Lawrence?
3: Because Newcastle had to offload?
0: Indeed, but do you, think that, do you think that potentially save them? I think, as Nico's saying there, Brighton, one of the candidates for relegation, but it's a huge outlay. Um, potentially strengthens their squad enough to give them a, a fighting chance, as it were.
3: You know, no, um, fair enough, fair I enough. do think, though, that, they, that they're they investing at the right time and they're investing uh, to bed in the season before they go back down to give themselves a good basis to build back up. Uh, if, if maybe you can spin it in that way. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's clearly long-term planning because trying to integrate so many of those players into a squad, um, and, you know, especially when you just come up, certainly very admirable, um, from a management side, but I don't think it's, I mean, you know, I'm not going to write it off because I, you know, I don't, I don't, know what plans they have overall for those players, but even then you'd say, well, there are other managers who have done better. I think there are stronger teams in the league. It's not so much that Brighton have done badly. It's the other teams are doing particularly well. Hmm,
0: should we go for a b as well
3: b, b- I minus mean, plus maybe b, b plus b plus b plus. b plus to, right, do, to, do, to do to do um, sort of to do any business for 5.3 million or three i think 0.5 million um in, in this window in an english, in, in english club <laughs> yeah, is almost pittance
0: um let's move on to burnley then busy window of course uh few signings in there. Chris Wood from Leeds, 15 million, who, of course, uh, got the equaliser against Spurs the other weekend. Uh, Jack Cork from Swansea for 8 million. A tidy player. I quite like Jack Cork. That's a good signing, I think. Uh, Jonathan Walters, of course, joining from Stoke for 3 million. And the uh, infamous Phil Barsley, real character coming in from Stoke for 2 million pounds. Um, However losing Andre Gray for 18 million I believe to Watford uh, and of course Michael Keane to Everton for 25 million Nico uh, a player who they haven't really replaced in this window
2: Yeah I think some of those outs are really the the place to land for Bournemouth and you know losing Andre Gray and specifically Michael Keane a really intelligent defender that has fit in well so far at Everton um I think the the signings speak to to how Sean Dyche is, is looking to continue to play his football. Um, very aggressive, very Premier League style. Um, in being you know physically adept and, and making a nuisance of teams, but also, uh, you know I think I've spoken about before on this podcast Sean Dyche massively over overperformed um, the expected goals against for last season, uh, and I don't think there was necessarily a rhyme or reason as to how. So maybe it's more of an anomaly. Um, but some of those signings will help him ease the transition back to the what is it regression to the mean. Um so uh, you know some good signings in but I think the the biggest loss is really Andre Gray because he was essential in in how they wanted to attack and finishing those counter-attacking opportunities. I think it's a huge loss. Mm, should we go for uh
0: C maybe then some decent signings but uh big departures. Yeah I'll go for C.
3: C, Lawrence? Sure, yeah. I, well, I, was, I, was, I was just thinking uh, C is the average, mm. so yeah, yeah, let's go. Around.
0: Average. Uh, we come down to Chelsea, of course, who despite spending almost £190 million in this window, seem to widely uh, regarded to have a, have a poor window. I think it's fair to say um Chelsea fans seems to be pretty up in arms about this one uh Alvaro Morata coming in for 58 million from Real Madrid uh Bakayoko from Monaco of course for 40 million Danny Drinkwater on deadline day for 35 million pounds from Leicester Antonio Rudiger from Roma for 29 million pounds uh Davide Zabacosta from uh, Torino for 25.8 million
2: uh Willie Caballero coming in on a free Killian Hazard
0: coming in as well is he Related to Eden
2: Hazard, is he? I think he was uh, he was yes. signed to not to the first team, but the no. some of the the youth squad or whatever. Uh,
3: what it's do we Very much want it's similar to the way that we see, you know, in in the NBA when oh, yeah. a player will say, "I think it's a good idea if we sign him." and People go, "Sure." What do we make let's get of him.
0: this window, Lawrence? As I said, there a lot of money spent, some quality brought in in the likes of Murata, in the likes of Bakayoko, but. Again, hard, hard to... Yeah, potentially a uh, good strengthening in defence, but a lot of people point to the fact perhaps hard to defend the strategy of letting Matic go for £40 million to uh, to a title rival and then potentially replacing him, you could argue, with Bakayoko, but a lot of people drawing the comparison, maybe unfairly, with Danny Drinkwater for £35 million. Seems to have left uh, a somewhat sour taste in, in Chelsea fans' mouths.
3: I mean, it's also the fact that it, it, all these outs... Uh, and, and clearly there's there's some good loans in there. But all these outs are showing the the hoarding of some of these players in the past. Um, you know, Quadrado's left to Juventus for just twenty, uh seventeen point three million. Uh Bertrand Torre has gone to Leon. Christian Atsu has gone to Newcastle. Shalaba went to Watford for just five million. And a lot of people are saying, well, you know, are they getting the investment back? And clearly not. With some of them, you know, Dom Solanke went to Liverpool for, I think, well, obviously it was a fee, a tribunal fee, I think, in the end. Mm. But, you know, still. So there's, it's not only the frustration of losing a Matic, who was a very key player, but also losing what a lot of people originally believed was going to be depth. Um, and either you can see that as the gutting of the squad or you can see that as um, somehow hamstringing a manager. I, I don't think Conte is responsible for that. Um,
0: do, you, do you not think he deserves some of the blame for um, a, pretty,
3: a pretty poor window? Of course, he got a lot of criticism for the Diego Costa situation. Uh, I mean, to some extent, I also think Diego Costa is one of those ball busters who will just sort of say, all right, you want to treat me in any way? I will treat you like this. Um, So no, you know, I think he knew what he was doing. I think he thought the player was on his way out. Um, Other things happened. The the player will probably suffer in some way uh, for that. They bought him Alvaro Morata. They bought him Bakayoko. They bought him Rudiger. Three very solid signings that they can again add into the team. I I think (laughs) they're going to do good
0: it just seems like they're not necessarily strengthening the squad Nico there's kind of just like-flight replacements of course maratta coming in Costa appearing not to be part of Conte's plans uh, just apparently paying him or maybe finding him to just sit in Brazil in his house uh, Bakayoko as I said coming in for Matic they don't seem to have strengthened they don't seem to have built on last season's success
2: I think perhaps what you're seeing in some of the, the moves in far as far as transfers in goes is maybe a, a slight difference in a style of play I think there's um, a lot of people are really struggling to find uh, Bakyoka's role, possibly because a lot of people who are looking to make that analysis didn't watch that much of Bakioka in the first place last year. Um, but I think that the trade, not the trade, obviously, it wasn't a, a trade between clubs, but the trade for Matic to Manchester United, which I, I don't endorse selling to, to league rivals because I think that's an incredibly poor business. I think if they were going to sell him and be rid of him, then they might as well be rid of him to a different league. Um, you at must the, hate the NBA, yeah, I, I don't like it. Um, no. Um, but, you know, they, at the at the at the worst that could happen in that situation is you come up against the same team in the in the Champions League. And, and that's really a low probability of happening. But with B- bakioko I think it, it speaks to a further um, development of, of Conte's style into a counterattacking team because he's an immense ball carrier in the in the central third of the pitch and, and he can do that incredibly well so i think in champions league games where they're going to look to sit deep and counter him and Conte, or him and a partnership of another midfielder whether it be Drinkwater or or like i said before Conte or maybe even fabregas um can be extremely deadly because of the the counter-attacking qualities that they bring as far as the out transfers go like i said Nemanja Matić to manchester united makes them exceptionally um a lot a lot better nathan nathan ake to, to bournemouth i don't see why they couldn't have made use for him in defense. Juan Cuadrado, Begovic—all these guys—they don't—they they make other teams stronger when there's a case that they could have used them. Um, another transfer that I think they, two transfers actually that I think they did well on are Antonio Rudiger because I think uh, part of the the flaw or the weakness in their back three was. Um, You know, some of the height and physicality because you could expose them with balls over the top to some extent. So, with Rudiger stepping in, being that physical presence, um, he's an immense player. But also, Philly Caballero, one of their uh, biggest problems last season was building out of the back, and his talent with his feet, with the ball at his feet, um, will help Chelsea in a lot of situations where maybe Courtois wouldn't. Mm. If he plays at all, I think he'll play in some of the, like maybe in the EFL Cup or the FA Cup when there are teams that are going to sit deep and Conte needs to stretch the play vertically then you have so you have an option at least in in Villa Caballero that you know you can play out of the back and maybe try to coerce teams into pressing you high I'm good, gonna say B you know yeah good incomings
0: but maybe those outgoings sour it somewhat B is that too high Nico do we go for a C plus? no I think
2: B I think B is good because it's not average it's slightly above average but they have you know it's not an A obviously because they lost so many good players OK,
0: uh, we'll go for a beat for Chelsea. Palace now we come on to, obviously, a very poor start to the season. Uh, the transfer window seemed to start pretty strongly for them, though. Uh, they brought in, obviously, Loftus-Cheek on loan from Chelsea. Uh, Fosu another astute loan deal, potentially. Um, I know Stephen is a big fan of him. Uh, the biggest signing was, of course, Mamadou Sacco, £26 million. In the end, they managed to get him from Liverpool for four. Uh, Paps haven't strengthened enough, Low Lawrence, £30 million pounds spent. But again, uh, as with a lot of these teams failing to potentially sign reinforcements up front, is their only senior striker, potentially.
3: Uh, yeah, also you'd say with with the style that maybe De Boer wants to play, that's not always the only striker that you probably want as an option. Uh, you know, you can bring in as many players from the Dutch league as you want, as it happens, there's only one. But even then, you know, that... If you want to change your style, then obviously there's going, to be, um, this, there's going to have to be some acquisitions or you're very confident that your coach can coach this into the team, um, at which point you have a long-term goal. A huge question at this point is, are Crystal Palace preparing to go down? Is there some sort of reasoning behind what's going on? And surely they can't destabilise to this point in order to go down deliberately have they also accepted where they're at? Have they accepted that if they do go down, they can build? And, you know, if, if maybe in the long run, they say to the ball, even if we, even if you do go down, we want you to stick around, build an academy to show us how to play football. And by the time we come back to the premier league, we will, you know, uh, we'll be a much better club overall structurally. Hmm. I don't know if they have that sort of foresight. We'll see. Um, maybe they also thought they could have a, poor season and stay up considering what some of their rivals will be doing
0: mm. uh, yeah we spoke about this last week doesn't seem to be too much joined up thinking going on at Palace with the uh, with the reports that De Boer could be sacked uh, in the coming weeks but still Nico how are we rating this transfer window uh I'd say Loftus Cheek is, is a promising signing. He's made a good start, of course. Mamadou Sako, given how well he played from last season, uh, could prove to be a very good signing, but uh, potentially not enough to keep them out of yet another relegation battle. What grade are we gonna? What grade are we gonna go for here?
2: I think I would probably say, in terms of the transfers not the manager, but in terms of the transfers, I'd probably go um, with a low B because I think Mavadou is a, a good player and, and a player that can um, do the things that, that DeBoer is asking him. But I think the, the important one here is Ruben Loftus-Cheek and his development um, will uh, you know further itself, I think, a lot. And, and Timothy Fosu-Mensah as well because they will see a lot of the ball. They will have a lot of experience progressing that ball in, in unique ways in possession systems. So I, I would say a B hmm okay we
0: happy on that one Lawrence gonna have to be hmm
2: let's move on to Everton then
0: very interesting window for Ronald Koeman's side a whopping 140 million pounds spent uh the big signing of course Gilfrey Sigurdsson for 45 million uh, Michael Keane, who we mentioned earlier coming in from Burnley for 25 million Jordan Pickford for the same price from Sunderland uh Davy Klassen coming in from Ajax 23.7 also of course Wayne Rooney joining uh, for an undisclosed fee uh, Seemingly a free transfer from Manchester United. <laughs> it's been a, a good window for Everton, potentially. Um, of course, they broke the Has record for, for Sigurdsson there. Hard to, uh, to to ignore that. Obviously, Jordan Pickford, one of the most promising young goalkeepers, uh, certainly in England, if not in Europe. Uh, Keane and Rooney, I think, uh, good signings as well. But obviously, with Lukaku leaving the club, Nico, did they miss out potentially on a, on a top striker to replace him?
2: Yeah, I think it's not necessarily. This is the club. This is the mistake that a lot of clubs make, and and maybe one that you're that's close to your heart as well. And and even Lawrence's, because you see a departure like someone of of Gareth Bale's quality or Luis Suarez's quality. You know, Lukaku is an immense player, and we're going to see that. We already we've already seen how good he was at Everton, and his best qualities weren't accentuated. Now he's at Manchester United. We're going to see an even better Lukaku. So. I I think it's the it's the common mistake that a lot of clubs fall into and okay let's buy a bunch of different players that can do different things to try and replace the quality of one player and I I think they got absolutely robbed for someone like Gilfie Sigurdsson I think he's a good player but he's certainly not worth 45 million in my mind not even in this transfer window Um, and I I think a lot of people think that he's going to do certain things for them uh, and, and get them the amount of goals that they're missing or or whatever that that really weird addition that people do well he'll bring in 10 goals and he'll bring you know it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but i think at the same time they did some good business jordan pickford is a buy for the future usually you don't see goalkeepers moving around that much and he obviously seems to be a good one and he can distribute well that's obviously one of his better qualities michael Keane is is one that makes a lot of sense i think he's an extremely talented defender both on the ball and off the ball um but some of these other transfers like wayne rooney uh and and Davy Klaassen, I, I don't think they're necessarily in, inspired and, and going to help Everton doing a lot of things. Wayne uh, Rooney forward. has discovered, rediscovered his touch. How <laughs> dare you? Has, has he? Yeah, has he? He's scored from he he one shot on target. Like he
0: days. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we'll move swiftly on then. Uh, Everton then, as I'm saying, a huge outlay. Lawrence 140 million pounds. Uh, strength in key areas, perhaps not that crucial striker position though. What are we going to rate the biggest spending spree in the club's history?
3: I think obviously you've got to almost go A minus on this one. I think if they, you know, to sustain the fact that a, a big player's gone, someone who was at one point what people were saying you should build around, um, which would have been a bad idea at the time if, if they had have completely gutted the side uh, in order to build around Romelu Lukaku. Uh, I'm going to say A minus purely because I think that they also see the coaching potential from most of these players in that squad. Um and the all the buys seem to be down the route of well we can coach this guy to be what we want him to be and I think that's what Sigurdsson will be and you know what with a little bit more freedom with a little bit more ingenuity and entertainment and all sorts of things I think we'll see Sigurdsson become a stronger player hmm. and be be worth that forty five million maybe Should not say, worth it a- from Swansea worth that hmm. a
0: minus then uh, feels I li- I don't know it feels maybe a little bit generous I'm not generous? sure what do you
2: reckon Nika i go C-, minus, not because of the quality <sighs> of the signings. I think they're individually good players, but because I just don't think they're going to fit this club and then they're going to be, when they inevitably sack Koeman, I think they're going to be left <laughs> with a lot of players that they're like, oh, what do we do here? So, let's I don't know, C-. minus. Uh,
0: let's go for a B. We'll go for a B then. I'll, I'll try and put that in the middle there. Yeah. Um, Let's move on to Huddersfield Town, of course, the last club promoted uh, to the Premier League at the end of last season. I think 13 signings in total. Again, a lot of bodies coming into a newly promoted club. Uh, the biggest signing, Steve Mooney from Montpellier, for 11.5 million. Uh, Tom Ince, an interesting one from Derby County, for 8 million. Um, Lawrence, any thoughts on uh, on Huddersfield's window?
3: Yeah, I think, I, I think what they've done is they've strengthened very well. We've seen the impact of those players straight away, um, both the two that you just listed and uh, the likes of Tom Ince, incredibly exciting players, players that look instantly like Premier League calibre players. Uh, you can go even further down the list and say that they've strengthened even further back behind that and made what you would say are um, typical uh, promotion signings, you know, low-end uh, fees along. Two, three, four million, and then quite a few frees, um, and then some some pretty decent loans. Obviously, a Chelsea loan, as is tradition for everyone in the Premier League, um, and then also Rob Robert Green, who of course is welcomed back to the Premier League. So, welcome back, Rob Green. A hey, well done, Huddersfield. You're staying up.
0: <laughs> uh, talk to me, uh, Nico, about the one and only Aaron Moy, uh, signed for Manchester City. He was on loan at the club last season uh, a lot of Huddersfield fans very excited to make that a permanent deal for, for eight million pounds
2: yeah I haven't seen too much of him but I think he's a good player some people suggesting that Manchester City could have made use for him um, considering our depth in central midfield isn't isn't too uh, too much but I, I think that's his level I think he'll do exceptional things at, at Clubs like Huddersfield and, and maybe some mid table clubs further on down the line, but I don't think he could necessarily be of massive use at Manchester City right now. But he is a good player, and I think Huddersfield Town is a good place for him in terms of their signings in this window. I, I think they've done a very good job. They've done some really good scouting work. And Jonas Lossel, um from Mines, and then I'll try to say his name. I'll probably end up sounding like Dave, but Florent Hadjer Janaj from Ingolstadt. Um, I think they got relegated, but he's a he's he's a really talented right back. Um, and they've done some some good loan work as well from Chelsea and, and some other places. So I think they've done a really good job scouting, and, and I think you know the hmm. Huddersfield Town can do some good things in the Premier League this season. A good strategy, you might
0: say, uh, seemingly rare in the Premier League in terms of transfer business these days. Uh, what we're we going to rate Huddersfield as then? Are we still going to be plus and A minus? Nico, you want to give us your grade?
2: I think Lawrence said A minus, so I'll go A minus as well. A-minus, so I'm happy enough with that.
0: Let's um, so talk Leicester. Interesting window, very interesting window. Um, Harry Maguire, potentially a great signing. £17 million pounds from Hull. Uh, a lot of money, but uh, seemingly uh, a fan favourite already. Uh Ianacho from Manchester City of 25 million as well. Uh, Vicente Iborra from uh, Sevilla for 12.3 million. Uh, 56 million pounds in total spent by Leicester. Uh, what do you make of this this business, Nico? Ianacho could he be a an astute signing for for record Shakespeare?
2: It's funny um, because his man his his agent um, managed to get him a transfer to one of the only clubs with now four strikers um so they've got Okazaki Vardy uh, they still have Islam Salmani and now him so for him to find game time is going to be still be difficult you know it probably won't be as difficult as it was at Manchester City but uh, I think he that that's the type of team that really suits his style more counterattacking more simplistic in attack um, for him hopefully he gets that play time um, in terms of the other signings i think harry is a, a decent signing vicente abora is someone that i've admired at sevilla for a long time um so i think they've done pretty well and as long as they continue with their style of play that they know works for some of those players um they'll do well i think where else they could have strengthened is maybe uh, another center back or another defender or two but overall pretty decent
0: definitely strengthening in depth there lawrence um sad to see danny Drinkwater go though
3: uh, yeah, I mean, people were always going to be upset about seeing someone who it seems like a fairly sort of um, stalwart player within a side leave and obviously someone who won them something very significant. But outside of that, I think Leicester will have been looking at that as um, there, there will be contingency plans around that, or at least I hope there will be contingency plans around that sort of thing. Losing those sort of big players uh, slowly, but surely. And then obviously looking at where Vardy goes um, and which championship side he ultimately will go to is going to be fascinating. Um, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I don't, I don't particularly feel um, upset by what they've done over the summer. I think they will be a little angry that they didn't bring a few more players in, but I also think at the same time, the club doesn't quite know where they're going at this point. So don't splurge with a manager uh, like Shakespeare Wait for some sort of direction and then spend on that route. And I think they also feel like they're confident enough in the ability of this squad to stay in the Premier League again, maybe because they're relying on other people being poorer this season. B? B plus? B, or not? Yeah. We can, yeah, or, B. Why not? Yeah, B. That's we'll go for the a question. There's
0: average. Mm. Uh, we come now to Liverpool, of course, Lawrence. Ooh, uh, your team. Literally. Um how are you feeling about this because uh, I was sort of feeling like Liverpool had a fantastic window bringing in Mo Salah for 36.9 million I believe. Uh I mean now that seems like an absolute bargain. Of course Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain I think could prove to be a very interesting signing for 35 million from from Arsenal. Um, Dominic Solanke as
3: well from Chelsea on a free. Um, is it an interesting? Well, Andrew site. Robertson, of course. One player that we didn't mention in the international roundup scored an That's absolute true. screamer of a goal for uh, Scotland. That's so, true. Um, yeah.
0: So, so four signings in total. Uh, Naby Keita signed, but is arriving uh, next season, as it were, for uh is it, is January. It 60, is it fifty-five million for uh, I think it, it's it's 50, I think it, it's a it's one of those rising fees. So eighty million in total. Um, I think on that last day, if maybe they'd have brought in Thomas Lamar in a in a huge deal, I think I'd be more impressed. But uh, in hindsight, supposedly
2: that was never that was never actually it was never serious. on the cards. Yeah, just well, it just feels ma- like mainly
3: mainly because the, apparently the interest from the player was not so much just in Liverpool. But also in just moving away from Monaco, and I think I
2: think Thomas Lamar Liverpool's would have been fantastic at Liverpool. I think it, oh, it, yeah. I was really excited to see that. My question for you though, Lawrence, is: Do you think they've
0: done oh, enough, yeah. Liverpool? Despite how encouraging some of these signings are, of course, you may or may not have missed out on Lamar. It may never have been on the cards. But Virgil van Dijk, a central defender, as it were, is definitely one that is is a big miss in this window.
3: Yeah, I think Klopp's shaping of the squad does seem to be slower, maybe than some people. originally anticipating um you know we see mamadou Sako leave we see kevin stewart leave we also see uh deba go out on loan someone that top said he would have a lot of fun with when they first came in but obviously when they've got such a front such a strong front three great podcasters as they do then it's difficult for him to get time in the side and i think you know he's loaned him out because he wants him to get time um it, it, it's a decent one, in, uh, but I often think of Liverpool in this way: if Liverpool didn't have Jurgen Klopp, what would we be saying? We'd probably be disappointed right now. Uh, they have Jurgen Klopp, just just as it as it uh, stands. So maybe they should be happy for that. Um, it's the combination of Klopp and these players that I think is the exciting
2: thing for a lot of people. So I think at the, the same time, you don't make some of these transfers without Jurgen Klopp being there.
3: Yeah, t- no, one hundred percent. You know, I think I'm not. I'm not saying that Liverpool is the pull here. I'm saying these are typically Klopp transfers in a Klopp team. Um, in in any other context, I think a lot of people are sort of saying, well, you know, is it really all that great?" It, you know, the Oxley Chamberlain transfer under maybe a Brendan Rodgers would have been perceived differently. Even the Mohamed Salah transfer definitely would have been perceived differently. Um, so you know, the, there's there's a lot in there to appreciate, and I think overall a change in tone at the club and keeping Katini obviously is is a, a really good thing and i think the the cater transfer was just a what most people consider to be kind of an icing on the cake oh yeah i think that's fantastic uh, however they fantastic they didn't business. actually address any of the problems that people highlighted uh, so they hmm. they must feel they can coach their way out of the problem what's your grade then Lawrence McKenna yeah. b maybe you know what maybe even a maybe even a C, a B minus.
0: Okay, I was going to go for B, B plus. Nico, you want to
2: have the deciding vote? I don't know why Lawrence is being so cruel. I'll say B plus.
3: I don't think it's cruel. I I just think it's
2: realistic. I think think they've done a lot of good things. and, And like you mentioned, Klopp is building his squad in certain ways. But I think one of the things that we need to mention is how well he's done. I've been particularly impressed with how far I've seen the development of Alberto Moreno and really where other clubs might have splurged last summer possibly even the January transfer window or this summer um, for a new left back I think you you have a player who is making a lot of better decisions and more balance in their play and you could see really uh, a, a fantastic player a diamond in the rough coming to to fruition because of the the insistence of someone like Jurgen Klopp in coaching the problems out of him and of
3: course Andrew Robertson yes (laughs) yes
2: <laughs> um, let's move on to
0: Manchester City then uh, big transfer window for them £220.5 million uh, was the total outlay there the biggest transfer window ever by a football club uh, Benjamin Mendy the most expensive signing £52 million. Kyle Walker of course for £50 million from, uh, from Tottenham Hotspur Bernardo Silva for, uh, for 43 million, which uh, looks a bit of a bargain in this uh, in this climate. Edison, of course, coming in uh, from Benfica, the brand new goalkeeper for 34.9 million. Danilo from Real Madrid for 26 million. Uh, Douglas Luis as well and Larry Coyote. Uh, what do you make of this window? Nico obviously strengthened in all the key areas that perhaps were seen as glaring weaknesses last season. Um, perhaps Sanchez would have been the icing on the cake, uh, maybe missing or maybe a little bit light in centre-back potentially?
2: Uh, possibly. I never really um, saw the value in in spending that much money for Sanchez or even really having him part of the team. I mean, he obviously is, is a good player but I was always really against the transfer because of some of the things that he does. Um, tactically, I think one of the biggest uh, weaknesses for City last season was our inefficiency in the counter-press and in a system that requires that um, tactic to be so efficient. Um, a player that steps out of the defensive shape so consistently to do whatever the hell he wants and run around like a headless chicken um, may get the plaudits from our some, from some Arsenal fans that perceive their team as being a, a team of players that, that doesn't take initiative. Um, but realistically he hurt Arsenal more um, in that sense than he did help them. But uh, I think in, as far as the window goes, Manchester city had an excellent window because Benjamin and Wendy is uh, Benjamin and Mindy, Kyle Walker, uh, and Danielila are, are really gonna do what what Pep Guardiola asks and and not only strengthening in areas that people perceive as weak, but but filling in roles that we' gonna that really go along with his philosophy. I think we'll see Benjamin Mendy more almost as a winger, a crossing winger um than than anything else than an actual defender because I think he's going to be so pushed so far up the pitch and and his main attribute is really crossing and putting those crosses in so I think that in conjunction with the structured run-in that Pep Guardiola likes to uh, implement will be deadly Um, like you said Bernardo Silva looks like a bargain in this climate and I think that's true I've written something about um, how special of of a player I think he is and and the same uh, really goes for the rest of these transfers I think they've done an an excellent job Um, Aderson is, is another one maybe that I didn't want originally, but I, I came around to it because, you know, he, he he's a, a maybe an upgrade on the goalkeeping aspects of Claudio Bravo and also can uh, fulfill all the requirements in terms of uh, playing the ball out from your feet. So I think Manchester City have had a really good window. And if you do the math um, by, the, by the, I guess, numerals of this window, you get an entire defense and a goalkeeper and... Uh, and a really good offensive player for around one Neymar. <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that, um, yeah, it, it looks
0: pretty good. Uh, a good window in total then for Manchester City. Lawrence huge outlay as I, as I mentioned there at the top. What were you thinking? A minus, like I said, seemingly addressed. Hey, uh, yeah, address a-. a-. all the issues.
3: Exactly. I think that's the main the main point there. The Squad goals, as a lot of people seem to be saying. Um, yeah, A minus seems very reasonable. As uh, but although. Uh, then you, then you bring the neighbours on.
0: Yes, we do indeed. Uh, a minus, happy with that, Nico? You want to push that
2: higher? Or, okay. I think I think A A minus is good. The only mm. thing yeah. that I would say outside of that is maybe a, another central midfielder. Um, but that's it. Yeah, that's A is good. Ooh, a quick breather, and we are back
0: for part three of the podcast. Part two of our Premier League transfer window review. It's turning into an epic, this one. It's turning into a super-sized episode. So let's crack straight on in part two of the review with Manchester United. Um, got their business done relatively early. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, of course, coming in for £75 million from Everton. Nemanja Matic as well from Chelsea for £40 million. Uh, Lindelof from Benfica for £31 million. Perhaps the jury's a little bit more out on him. Uh, and, of course, Latin Ibrahimovic re-signing as a free agent for the mm. season. Um, Manchester United fans seemingly very happy Lawrence with the business that's been done there uh, potentially transforming Manchester United into title challengers maybe even title favourites
3: each of their signings I think mean, the outgoings also seem to I mean obviously there's, there's people going out on loan but the, the, the two more high profile outgoings which are Kanazai and Rooney s- seem to fix problems within the squad um, so it's a very satisfying window to look at Um uh, I, 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 I think they they have depth in there. I think there's, a, there's a, there are elements of depth. I also think some people question whether they needed to make one or two more sort of Mourinho-esque signings. You know, there are a couple of the United fans were talking about maybe a Mares, someone along that, those sort of lines, just to add an element of depth to the team. Um, but outside, of, I think most people happy. Lukaku, clearly a fantastic player in that in, in the striker position is going to fit in really well with the rest of the players and has already Matic I think a lot of people are impressed with how everywhere he is he will have also very normal games but that's perfect in a Mourinho team and like you say I think Lindelof people are saying the Jory's out what they mean is we're waiting to lord him when ultimately he does well under Mourinho the highlight of course is Latin Ibrahimovic returning to Manchester United before Dave's even gone blonde once
0: yeah I know um because so he needs put out the pole on
2: that one and decide what we're going to do. I think he needs yeah. to do some sort of forfeit. I'm not taking a charity. Slide it up the
3: flagpole. See how it goes. He needs,
2: he needs to to get the front three tattooed, or the emblem tattooed somewhere <sighs> on his body. Correct. Like that suggestion. Correct. I might put it to a vote. Um, a to go.
0: Is it an A for Manchester United, Nico? It's
2: A. Yeah, I would say I think it is an A, because um, really my, my analysis of, of what they needed to do before the window was that uh, in order to win more games and be more, more successful in the league, they didn't need actually to make that many transfers. They needed to maybe change their style of play a little bit and take a few more risks in possession. But with this, Mourinho can actually delve further into his style and, and maybe um, actually take a few more risks in possession with some of these players that he's more comfortable with, Nemanja Matic being uh, one of the best uh, in that department because he can play in the midfield more without that risk of losing it uh, Victor, Victor Lindelof I think is brilliant and Ramon Lukaku you've already heard my words on it the the funniest part of this being that uh, Mina Raiola signing Ibrahimovic to the same team in, in consecutive summer transfer windows uh, twice getting getting those fees so good on him good on him hey
0: we give it Manchester United there. Um, next up, we have, of course, got Newcastle. Newcastle United. Yeah,
3: ultimately, very disappointing. The yeah. fact is, after he will feel very let down. He made the agreement he would let players go if he could then either sort of re-, re plunge, I guess, that into the squad. However, we've seen a lot of people in the press say that he feels very let down. Um, he's made some very uh, Rafa Benitez-esque signings, a 12 million, 8 million, a 6 million, a 5 million. Hossalou, of course, an exciting one. Jacob Murphy, also an exciting one. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the, Javier Manquillo, not so exciting. And Mikel Moreno, definitely an exciting one. But within that, you'll still feel that, that there's a lack of depth at Newcastle. And the reason that it may all fall apart is because, Ultimately, Benitez feels let down. It's got to be, uh, despite Benitez doing his best to bring in some reasonable players, there's no reinvestment. There's no uh, long-term goal, it would seem, apart from selling the club. You've got to say it's almost a, a D, despite the best efforts of some of the people behind the scenes.
0: Hard to disagree with that, Nico. A seeming lack of ambition, seemingly a lack of a desire to back Benitez in the market.
2: Uh, I don't know if I agree with lack of ambition, but I think Lawrence is right. You know, Benitez was expecting certain things from from the people behind him and he didn't get them. Um, but that being said, I still think they made some really promising transfers and Mikel Morena specifically got to see a lot of him last year um, and Hausalu. So I think they'll do well, but it, they would have had an easier time doing that if he had been back to a, a greater extent. Mm, what are you going to say then? DC maybe? Probably... Uh, C minus because it's like, yeah. slightly below average. D plus it is. Uh,
0: Southampton uh, spent £37 million this summer. The headline signing Mario Lamina from Juventus for £16.3 million. Pounds. A lot of excitement over this one. They also brought in Wesley Hoved Ho- uh, from Lazio. Hed. Hed. I think it's Hed. Uh Lazio, 15 million. Uh, Jan Bednarak from Lech Poznan, 5.7 million. And Jack Bro. Jack Rose on a free from West Brom. Um, of course, perhaps the uh, most important thing, Nico, is that they managed to actually keep Virgil van Dijk despite uh, a saga that rumbled on all summer.
2: Yeah, uh, I wrote something for The Ringer um, on Virgil van Dijk and his move, his supposed move to, to Liverpool and why, um, why I don't think he would actually help Liverpool that much. Um, but in terms of the transfers for Southampton... Um, I think Mario, Mario Lamina is a really good transfer because he's a really versatile player that's still young um, and he can be molded into a lot of things. And that's really what Southampton need. They need uh, young, versatile players to add to the some of the strengths that they already have in in Tadic and Steven Davis and some of those other guys. So they didn't make too many transfers, but I think at the same time, they the most important change that they made was uh, – one that I didn't necessarily agree with, but the change in manager, Murcio Pellegrino, I think he plays a really engaging, attacking style of football, um, and they're going to have some success this season. So I think they'll continue to progress under their new manager. B, C? I'd probably say B. B. Happy with that, uh,
3: You know, yeah, I've got to agree. I've got to agree, mainly because I think the, the headlines are there for Southampton, and it's the keeping of uh, one specific guy who maybe some people will be a little angry over. Stoke
0: next, interesting window for them. Uh, the biggest signing, Kevin Vimmer from Tottenham for eighteen million. Uh, Absolute steal, losing him. Absolute steal. You think for eighteen million? He's a very good defender, very capable. I think uh, a lot of Spurs fans weren't exactly sad to see him go, but um I think most people were happy to see us get him for eighteen million. Considering we I think, bought him for I four think- million.
2: I think the this is the kind of transfer that perfectly uh, exemplifies the difference in price that you can get in terms of the club that you sell to. Um, I think there is a possibility that City was in for Kevin Vimmerk because I, I really like him as a defender. I think he's a versatile uh, young center back that can do a lot of things, especially on the ball. Um, but if you know if Kevin Vimmer had gone to City, I think the fee would have been around maybe perhaps even you know forty million because that's that's how much you know they know they can get out of City. Whereas you know he ended up going to Stoke and, and we see an eighteen million dollar price tag. It's uh, it's a lot of incoming. A lot of sort of astute incoming potentially. Darren Fletcher
0: coming on a free from West Brom. Uh, Kurt Zouma's coming on loan from Chelsea, and of course Gibbs, uh, it,
3: it, It's it's the fact that they could have got someone like Gibbs. Which West Brom did get, and they they didn't. Um, I, I, again, you you sort of got to put that down. And also, obviously, Bojan leaving. Uh, I think a lot of people are very disappointed. I by mean, it. surely
0: though, uh, Nico bringing in all those players, it strengthens the squad significantly. Um, yeah, as Lawrence says, Marta Marta there's a few Anatovich,
3: misses. But- Hoselu, Bojan going. That can't. It's very difficult to spin that.
2: Um, to some extent, yeah, but I think they've done well in in getting players that are gonna continue to perpetuate the style that they want to put out in the pitch. Um Jesse Rodriguez is a very short term thing because it is a loan. A lot of people talking about, you know, show, Stoker supposedly showing ambition um, in getting him on loan, but it's a one year loan and he's definitely not gonna want to stay there past one year, um, regardless of the circumstances. So I get I certainly get what Lawrence is saying. I think maybe someone like Jose Lu could have done really well at Stoke. Um, but at the same time they got someone that's a, maybe a little bit of a wild card in Eric uh Chupamoting, so who did well at Schalke a few years ago and then we haven't really seen much of him since but you know they, they made some good transfers especially defensively Kevin Vimmer Kurt Zuma Bruno Martins Indi has done some good things at Porto um, and other places so you know it's not it's not the worst transfer window
0: What are we going to say then should we go for a
2: B again a sort of average B I'm going
3: to go B minus C C plus maximum
2: how, how many Bs have we given out we're going to start Probably I'm going to
3: hey, go C+. C plus.
0: Hey, we're generous graders. Um, Swansea, <laughs> I've got a feeling this might be a a B. Uh, Sam Clucas coming in as the most expensive signing, 15 million. Wilfried Bonnie as well, returning to the club for 12 million pounds from Manchester City. Uh, perhaps the most eye-catching move, though. Uh, another short-term option, Nico Renato Sanchez. Moving from Bayern Munich on loan, a former golden boy. Is in Wales right now. Um, one of the most potentially bargain signings of the window, despite Swansea no. losing their
2: no. No, I think he's a really good player, but his play style is something that really I think would only work or really tends to only work in in teams that are going to really dominate possession. So a place like Bayern Munich for him really um, should have made sense. And I think he wasn't necessarily used in the best way by Carlo Ancelotti, and there were uh, contractual details that maybe swayed people to playing him more or less depending on certain fees but he, he's a player he's a central midfielder that really likes to take on players in the in the central third of the pitch and that's really dangerous um for a team that that doesn't want to get countered on or doesn't want to get attacked in open situations so it, it you know depending on how paul clement looks to develop his game, maybe if he pushes him out wide a little bit or puts him in a really attacking role and, and compensates for his uh, attacking tendencies, then maybe it could work. Um, but I think as he is right now, it isn't the best idea. But some of those other transfers are really good, like Vilfred Boni and, and Roque Mesa is someone that I've really admired at Las Palmas. Um, so it, it's not a bad window. I mean, he's using logic there, Lawrence. It's um, pretty convincing. But Renato
3: Sanchez has moved to Swansea. Online, come on! Yeah, I mean that—that's well, him in the league. Uh, there, well, there is excitement, but uh, at the same time, I think it is that tapered excitement that a lot of people are originally going to um, approach it with. The main excitement for me is seeing someone like Renato Sanchez go up against Paul Pogba.
0: Ooh, former Golden Boys
3: head to head, as it were. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Were they
2: both Golden Boys? I think
3: Paul Pogba was back in the day, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. If he. If he wasn't, then he was on the Golden Boy list.
0: Yeah. I feel a bit uncomfortable saying Golden Boy. It just doesn't sound right. These are these are men, you know?
3: Um, it, anyway.
2: Yeah. It also it
3: also sounds a little bit uh,
2: off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Wil- Wilfred Ronny and, and Tammy Abraham, the best strike partnership in the lower half of the table, possibly. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I'd like to see
0: Swansea avoid uh, the sort of relegation scrap this season. Um, I think as you point out there, they've got some very promising signings. I hope that they can do it. Um, B B's a. B.
2: I'm gonna go A B A. Um, because they also still uh, at the Rente. They go, they, they like sold it, someone. They, they they sold someone, Gilfie Sigurdsson for forty-five million. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a. 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 In and of a. itself, a. they sold the Rente a. for twelve.
3: And I think play, a player like the Rente is important. Wilfred Boney is but coming. They in replaced
2: with, him equally with Wilfred Boney. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, Bony's
3: a Yeah, I let's not talk about Wilfred Boney's... Uh, record at uh, Stoke, and
2: then let's talk about that 12 million. Yeah, I mean it is marquee, you know.
0: Um, you mentioned it's Fernando Laurente there. Uh, Lawrence, 12 million outgoing. Of course, he signed for Tottenham. Who is our next? I'm going to give Spurs. An A Okay. Well, let's we'll see about that. We'll see about that. Uh, the biggest signing, uh, DeVincent Sanchez from Ajax, £42 million. Pounds, uh, straight away the most expensive signing in the club's history. Uh, Serge Aurier coming in from PSG as a replacement for Carl Walker for £23 million. Uh, Lorente has just mentioned there for £12 million. Juan Foyth from Estudiantes for £9 million. Uh, another young, promising centre-back. And Paulo Gazzaniga um, from Southampton for £2 million, who apparently Danny Rose had to Google. Um... What do you make of this window? Then I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty optimistic about it. I think uh, that's been coloured by the signing of Lorente on deadline day. I think he's a great option to have
2: in the squad. We needed strengthening up front. But 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 let me ask you something, Adam, as a as a Spurs fan. Come on. If Vincent Janssen didn't do very well at all, considering the style of play that he's accustomed to in terms of getting service into the box, that maybe panders towards um aerial play and direct aerial play it's not like mm. Deli Alley who can lose the runner at the top of the box and then make the most of a cross um and you sign someone as immobile as Fernando Llorente then <laughs> how can you? Then how can how can you feasibly uh try to make the case that he will do well at first I think it's a good transfer but I just y- yeah. you know you're running into the same problem that you did with the y- with the Jansen to some extent right Potentially, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Pochino sets up this side this season.
0: Um, I think arguably we looked most impressive last year when we had, you know, three at the back. We were playing Harry Kane up front. We had those two sort of attacking midfielders as well with Dele Alli and Eriksen there. I'm not sure if he's going to continue that. I assume he will. That's why DeVincent Sanchez has been brought in as a, a sort of almost a automatic starter in centre-back. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it gives... The, the accusation that Pochino gets a lot is that, that lack of a plan B, and I think... Whether he's going to play to the strengths of Lorente. We're not sure if this is his signing. We're not sure if this is something Daniel Levy's pushed for. I think if he can use it as a plan B, if he can use it as another option, I think it will strengthen Spurs. I think against Burnley, which is the first game I've been to this season, in attack without Danny Rose and Carl Walker as those wing backs, we seemed predictable. Uh, we really struggled to create an abundance of clear-cut chances against Burnley. Yes, we didn't take those which we created but there us to be a lack of variety in our play almost. Of course that could change with Serge Aurier joining as the direct replacement for Walker with Danny Rose hopefully returning from injury very soon. Uh, it adds such a dimension such an element to our attacking play but at the moment uh, Fernando Llorente I think presents a promising plan B another option off the bench, which I think is crucial for Spurs. We don't have that depth in our substitutes um, when Spurs do struggle to break down teams and you see Musa Zoko and Vincent Janssen coming off the bench. It doesn't exactly inspire confidence that that breakthrough is going to come uh, with those changes. So I think Lorente is a good option. I would have liked to have seen us add another sort of wide attacking threat, someone who could bring pace, someone who could bring power, someone that's not Musa Zoko. Um, but overall, feeling relatively happy, relatively optimistic. I would have liked to have seen potentially someone in the mould of Damari Gray, in the mould of Riyad Mahrez, if not those specific players. I think that is a need, as I say, that we we have. But I think depending on the system Pochettino opts for going forward this season, or the systems, um, De Vincent Sanchez and Fernando Llorente could prove to be uh, to be very good
3: signings. A minus.
0: I don't know about A minus. I want to say I want to say B plus. I think I think Serge Aurier is a direct replacement for Carl Walker. Um, Damion Sanchez gives us those options at the back, and in, in terms of all between these systems that Pochettino liked to play last season. As Nico points to, there is a, a salient point that you know: uh, can we really play to the strengths of Fernando Lorente? Laurenti- can he be that Plan B? I'm just not sure that we've strengthened significantly enough with all the teams around us, seeming to have, have really boosted their squads. But maybe a B-plus I want to go for?
2: I think I'm going to go devoid of grade here because I would like to see Spurs make a, an official statement on the um, on the actions of Serge Arieh. You don't want to see uh, the silent advocacy of Serge Arieh's uh, homoph- homophobic comments. Um, but difficult. yeah, over- you know oh, yeah where Just you on that one nicker well i think um just for any listeners who don't know what i'm talking about a few seasons ago when he wasn't getting enough playtime, um he was on a periscope smoking hookah with his brother i believe um and you know on periscope people can comment things and he said something about the playtime and and lauren blanc and he made the comment that uh he made homophobic comments about lauren blanc and vlota Zlatan Ibrahimovic's relationship. Um, and since then, you know, certain people within the Spurs community that are homophobic and have these uh, maybe offensive views and intolerant views of people within the LGBT community have used the the signing of REA and the uh, rumors of Spurs being linked to REA that turned out to materialize as a weapon towards uh, insulting gay people. Um, and although, you know, players, within the game and and people within professional sports may not be inherently a homophobic using hate speech is still something that we want to see rid uh, and out of the game. So I think it's, it's on really spurs knowing of these comments because they were publicized. He was uh, castigated to the bench uh, for, I think for the majority of the the remainder of the season Um, after that, to come out and and say that they condemn those comments and maybe for the player to seemingly make a a heartfelt apology you know there is room for him to amend these things and so I think it's important with the modern game and 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 trying to to uh impart a sense of morality um upon the thing that we love so much is that you know we we can't stand for that kind of hate speech to be you know allowed just because Serge Arias happens to be good at football
0: very eloquently said. I think that's a, a very good point. I wonder if, I doubt whether the club are going to release a statement. I doubt whether there will be a, an apology forthcoming from Aurier, but I'd like to see uh, maybe there can be some sort of gesture or some
2: sort of bridges built almost between.
3: It's not dealt with at the time?
0: Um,
2: Not by PSG. They They... They obviously condemned his comments and they also did not approve of them since it, they were non-becoming of a player that they wanted to have in their team as well as you know they were disparaging towards uh, Lauren Blanc and Zlatan, Zlatan Ibrahimović. But no really apologetic uh, sort of statement was ever issued from the club or from the player regarding uh, the statements made. He just sort of received okay. a ban
0: full stop uh, with no sort of set duration. Um, obviously, he was back in the side last season. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'd like to see maybe some sort of gesture towards uh, the LGBT groups, the, the fan groups that Spurs have. I wonder if there's there's some sort of conversational dialogue that can be had there. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's a great point to bring up and not something that should be brushed under the carpet, as it were, something we should confront and we should sort of have these discussions and, and confront it head on, essentially. Um, we'll move on to Watford then. Um total spend of 53.8 million pounds uh, a pot so transfer window indeed indeed uh, the biggest signing Andre Gray coming in from Burnley for 18.5 million who we mentioned earlier uh Richarlison from Fluminense from 11.5 million as well Tom Cleverley uh, I, this one sort of flew under my radar he's gone from Everton for eight million uh, Will Hughes obviously uh a hot prospect, a hot young prospect, £8 million. Chalabar coming in from Chelsea for £5 million. Um, a few other signings as well. Uh, what do we make of this? Nico seemed to have addressed some of the, uh, the bigger issues in the squad.
2: I think he's done a really good job in, in buying the players that are going to best uh, put out the style of football that he wants to play on the pitch. And that's really a more defensive mindset and counterattacking. And we saw how good Andre Gray can be um, with, with Burnley. Uh, unfortunately, supposedly, allegedly homophobic as well, Um, but uh, Richarlison also looks pretty decent, looks like a really hard worker, and I think that's that's the type of player that is going to thrive under Marco Silva and be uh, an entity that's going to be able to either score or contribute in some way to the team because of his pressing and because of his athleticism. I also think that Chalaba and Cleverly will be able to do good things in the midfield if they can commit and be two-way players. Um, so it's a pretty decent window for Watford, and hopefully they stop with this you know, managerial turnover and stick with Marco Silva because I think, as, as Lawrence mentioned, he's a really talented manager, and I think some consistency uh, with both him and with Watford can... can do them do both well.
0: Um, yeah, Chalabar for five million seems uh, a real bargain given the, uh, the hype around him. Um, what are we going to rate
3: this one then, Lawrence? They kept hold of Troy Deeney as well. He's linked to because, move away. Yeah, B. that's fine. It puts transfer window. I'm going to go uh, B overall. I'm not even joking Ooh, when I say a that. Nice, a nice B. We're getting a lot of Bs. Uh, it, 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 it's purely based on the Marco Silva factor. Um, if, if he wasn't at the factor. club, I'd definitely grade it lower. Whew.
0: Uh, Nico, we happy with a B? Our trusty old say B. A. Yeah, say a. A minus, just so we don't have another B. Uh, oh West Brom. Now, this is a window. Uh, the big <laughs> signing, of course. He's going to see them finish by off Arsenal. As Stephen Housen said here first last week. Uh, Oliver Burke coming in from Leipzig for uh, 15 points. 15 million pounds. Uh, Jay Rodriguez as well. A surprise one potentially from Southampton for 12 million. Kieran Gibbs, who we mentioned before for 7 million, Gareth Barry, uh, for just 1 million pounds. Uh, a few other sort of signings in there as well. Of course, uh, Gregor Krahoviak on loan from PSG, another sort of
2: surprise signing. Have you, uh, have you seen the, the tweet? Um, someone was, uh, parroting, uh, Paul Merson when he said, Jeff, who's this crouch whack fellow? I thought Brexit meant no more Polish people. <laughs> Yeah, Paul Merson uh,
0: will uh, will no doubt be upset for many reasons. Um, it's a great window, though, isn't it, Nico? Some smart signings in there. Uh, Oliver Burke from Leipzig could be uh, could be an interesting one, and of course, Cryhoviak has been uh, uh, the name grabbing all the headlines.
1: Yeah,
2: I think Krajowiak is the type of player that, once again, really fits in with the manager. Um, one player that really stands out to me that I, I'm a big fan of uh, in his time at Southampton, specifically what he was able to do under Mauricio Pochettino, is is uh, Jay Rodriguez. I think he's a fantastic player. He's really versatile forward that can do a lot of things. He can be sort of a, a more passing center forward, possibly even a, a false nine to some extent. Um, And he can also be that typical striker. And I think a lot of people criticize Tony Pulis or, or the connotation of Tony Pulis is that he plays some simplistic football but he actually does some really complex things so i think the union of those two and everything that he's done in this window comes together to you know steven house and main may be exaggerating in the sense that they'll finish above arsenal perhaps but i think they'll they'll do really well uh, because he, game, has a, he has a he has a he has a uh he has a really um some good ideas so with in conjunction with these players it could be a good matchup
0: We're holding house into that one, Nico. You can't try and play it off as he was having a. Are we gonna? Are we gonna dye his hair
2: blonde too? (laughs) Yes,
0: I think we should impose some sort of punishment on him. Dave's barely not doing it, so someone may as well. Um, West All right, mate? Jeez, I'm just a little bit better, you know. Uh, I managed to avoid any sort of punishment, and yet I don't get to reap the rewards of, you know, my fantastic prediction. Uh, no, though. What of, someone, wa- of someone snapping their ACL, you don't get the their benefits. <laughs> benefits <laughs> um, what are we rate in West Brom, Laura Surely let's go for should we go for an A minus, another A minus A. I
3: don't think it's an A I, I think it's almost like a B minus. Maybe
0: B minus. They broke even as well. You know, thirty five in. 35 oh, imagine, 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 imagine breaking even. Jeez. No, I'm joking. They just spent thirty five million. Um, yeah, A minus B plus. Nico, help us decide. Yeah, A, A minus B plus yeah, somewhere. Let's get some A's out there. We're being stingy. Just B's everywhere. You're
3: just
2: afraid of B. That's all you're I'm afraid. I am. I think this next one is is really the one where we're gonna start giving Ooh. out the bad grades. We finally
0: finish yeah. on West Ham, guys. Um, the Final club in the Premier League to discuss the biggest signing, what? Marco Anoutovic for twenty million pounds from Stoke. Club in denial. Javier Hernandez uh, for sixty million from Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Sayed Haxabavnic from Halmstadt for $3 million. Pablo on a free deal. And Joe Hart on loan from Manchester City. I'd say on paper, these potentially could look like good signings, Nico, but
2: the reality is maybe a little different. No, definitely not. I mean, you're right. On paper, it does look good, but but certainly I don't yeah, think yeah, any Joe of these transfers will,
0: oh.
2: No, I, I don't think any of these transfers will end up being good. I think maybe it speaks to Mark Hughes's. Uh, Management that he was able to keep Marco Natovic from being an insane person and chopping people down in the middle of the game um, because he seems to be doing that already. The only good one is really Javier Hernandez. Um, Pablo Zeboleta, any left winger that he has played, has just had an absolute field day. It's a wonder. How Pep Guardiola used him as a central midfielder, or even a right back last season. Um, and then Joe Hart, you know, he's he's a decent goalkeeper, but he doesn't really seem to be a modern one. He he makes a lot of like saves that look good, but he palms them into weird areas. His left uh, his left hand side dive is still really weak. Um, so I, I, I just is, don't.
0: His confidence is shot to shit.
2: I believe. <laughs> that's, that's the term. is that the technical term. I yeah, appreciate I so. that's coming and saving me there. So yeah, I don't think it's a very good window at all.
0: Not a very good window at all, Lawrence. Is Javier Hernandez for sixty million a saving grace?
3: Um, that would be one element of a saving grace. I mean, th- there has to be more than that. I also think it's again, it's down to the manager. It's the Billich factor. Um, it's it's the fact that they say. Uh, the club sort of have this official line and then there's obviously the fans line i think the fans are probably more important in that obviously staying up is one goal but actually achieving something in the league is something else let's it's going to be interesting to see how much time uh, a, a manager such as billich who's now being basically briefed against to the press um will get um and then who they choose to replace him with you'd think if they're already briefing against him then they have some form of uh, replacement ready or something in mind. Uh, Javier uh, Hernandez is not, of course, Renato Sanchez or the other player they were also offered. Um, so yeah, I I don't think that it is what they uh, what they wanted it to be, and for that reason, it's got to be a, a, a but maybe even below C average. But I'd plus. probably say a, I'm going to say a C minus.
0: Okay. Nico, I would say an F. Let's go for an E then. Let's you go for enjoy, E plus. You
3: enjoy that harsh sign I like Is that.
2: Is there Wait, um, did you say E? Yeah, yeah. E? Is that how you guys graded over there? We go with A through F. I think we got A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I No, yeah. we just go on F. We end on F.
0: But yeah, you get an E. Yeah. You can get an E. You
2: no, said, we, yeah. you can't get an E. You can't get an. All right, I didn't mean A through F. I meant like we go A B C D and then F. We What's skip right. e? What's your Which makes e? perfect sense. Because I, I think F, F, is just, F is just supposed to stand for just failure. Uh, Can
3: someone just clip that up and just sort of get Adam saying, What's wrong with E? You used
2: to have a U over here. <laughs>
3: ungraded.
2: Are you saying this?
0: Uh, yeah, you used to get a U over here. You get ungraded. It was yeah. so bad. They just, yeah, you know, they, they refused. Um, they so have good, that. They have ungraded. Wow. Anyway, guys, look, that is the complete. Premier League transfer window rated and reviewed. Hope you enjoyed that. We graded every single wow. team there. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter. Thanks at the front Marie. Yeah, it was a bit of an epic one. I do want to ask three quick questions before we go about the transfer window um, in a further summation of our thoughts. I'd like to know your guys' thoughts on who do you think was the best overall, firstly, the best overall signing of the window, European-wide. We can expand this one. Um, off the top of my head, I'm tempted to say, uh, here's a Premier League signing, I think Bernardo Silva for 43 million as we mentioned earlier could prove to be an absolute bargain so i want to put that forward as one of the best signings of the summer
3: look lukaku also has to obviously be up there i think it, it mainly not because it it seemed like a foregone conclusion from the inside but maybe from the outside it, it yeah. looked like one of those ones where he could he go to chelsea could he go to Manchester united did yeah, well plan. to wrap that one up yeah any um, any side in the world could could do with a uh, uh, Romelu
0: Lukaku so I think Manchester United have done yeah. well to, to buy him even if it was for uh, a pretty flabbergasting 75 million pounds uh, Nico with anyone else name Um might... enough
2: yeah um, I, if, I uh, think I think uh, Douglas Costa to Juventus oh. for 6 million <laughs> for the first year wow. uh, and then I think they have the option to buy at 40 uh, at the end of the year I mean that is probably one of the best transfers if not you know this window for, for a long time second question is what signing
0: are you most envious of that you would like to have seen pitched up at your club who perhaps moved elsewhere? Uh, one that got away, as it were. Um, I'm going to put forward Mo Salah, given the start he's had, you know, a wide yeah. attacking player, uh, a fantastic signing for, what, 35 million, I think we said. Um, I think, yeah, you know, I want to say no to him. At Spurs would say no to at Wembley as it is this season um Nico anyone you feel that moved elsewhere that you would love to have seen turned up at
2: City um it's difficult to say because City you know City fans have been blessed with the with the with getting a lot of players that they would have liked I think Victor Lindelof to United he's a really talented defender that can do a lot of things um so in that same light maybe Victor uh you know, Victor, Vin- Victor Lindelof, sorry, or Kevin Vimmer. I would have liked to see it at, at Manchester City. And finally for Liverpool,
0: Lawrence? Alvaro Morata.
3: Ooh, really? Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see him in a Liverpool shirt. I think. I just think he looks notorious.:. Liverpool is. shirt. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that, that was part of my thinking. I think Liverpool need another option at striker. I think he's a very intelligent player. Klopp, I feel, could have shaped him into something. Um, but maybe that's just because I, I like the intensity of Conte. Conte. I like the intensity of Klopp. Let's see. I mean, it, 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 he'll he'll do great for Chelsea. Right? And you just, yeah, he just looks. Oh, you just want him on your
0: team. <laughs> uh, my final question is: What was your favourite transfer unveiling this summer? Uh, of course, this became a bit of a trend with <laughs> some pretty wacky, some pretty bizarre, some pretty cringeworthy unveilings for certain signings. Uh, are there any favourites out there? I think one of my Eight. Salah was, was good Salah
2: yeah not bad I think, uh, not a uh, bad start I, I think it wasn't uh, a transfer but it was uh, a re- like a go- one of their go- reserve goalkeepers renewing his contract Southampton yes Jim I had a Taylor. really funny okay. trailer yeah
0: very yeah. epic very over the top uh, for their uh, for their reserve goalkeeper which was good fun uh, I enjoyed Pepe's come to Besiktas one if you saw that with that uh, was the best one by far it, it was definitely different <laughs> it was it was it uh, was <laughs> It was a bit more low budget, it was a bit more low key. So I enjoyed that one. Um okay, that wraps up the transfer window then. I think we've wrapped everything up just perfectly with a neat little bow on top. Uh guys, hope you enjoyed it. As I said, do give us your thoughts at the front free on Twitter. Uh
2: give us your greens. For
3: the next window start now. Yeah,
0: may as well. I mean, Messi's off to Manchester City, isn't he, Nico? That's what's happening. Is that the next one?
2: Yeah, definitely. He'll be here uh he'll be here next summer. You Twenty minutes. First.
0: Again, if he isn't nico dyes his hair bleach blonde uh, uh i don't know about that yeah a verbal <laughs> contract you've agreed it now man. you've agreed it technically <laughs> sort of uh guys thank you so much for listening uh nico an absolute pleasure to have you back on the front free. thank you so much for joining us some great insight and analysis there where can people find more of you because they're undoubtedly going to after this podcast
2: uh they can find me on my twitter handle at nico underscore i just want to Tell so a quick shout out to uh, the people that mentioned me in the reviews. That was really nice. I, I yeah. don't often get mentioned in the reviews, so thank you for that. Getting mentioned more Appreciate
0: and it. more. People love you, uh, the people champion, as it were. Supposedly, uh, supposedly.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, Lawrence McKenna as well. Thank God. Uh, yeah. You know, Nico stealing all the headlines lately. What, what are we going to do about this?
3: Excellent. Uh, what I would call
0: a protege. Oh, lovely! I like it. Yeah, you're seeing him. Uh, you know, spread his wings, as it were. And now he's stealing all the glory. Well, actually, we still get a lot of mentions as well, so it's all good. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure the front three co- still means
3: yeah. You're coasting,
0: though, mate.
2: Apparently, oh, well, that was in a good way, wasn't it? It was you <laughs> yeah, coasting. Yeah, sure. You didn't. I mean, someone yeah. was uh, was, was Nico maybe- roasting.
0: What were you doing? Were you roasting? I was. Uh, roasting, roasting. I was
2: roasting uh, occasionally. Oh, yeah. I was roasting ex pros. That was the one, point yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. very good. You got the mention of Paul Merson as well, so yeah, uh, still
0: on the march really. there. Uh, Lawrence, where can people find you? Uh,
3: at Lozcast. L O Z C A S tea and obviously uh, on weekends you can find me live on corals facebook
0: <laughs> thought you're going to say something else there but i'm glad you said that yet do you go and check out uh, the kickoff with what about uh, you yes
3: you'll be on it very very uh, soon ooh, lovely what about stuff?
0: You, yeah, you yeah you can find me on twitter at adam boltwood uh you know trying to uh to tweet out the banters but in that regard i would recommend following the one and only rob armstrong from tfr he's tweeting out some incredible twitter banter some grade a banter it were, in the last few days i wow. think he was the man who first got the uh he stole the march on this whole dally dally alley flipping their bird sort of thing i think he's probably on about 10k retweets or
3: something right now he's, wow yeah, he hearing. filmed his tv screen faster than anyone else exactly. and that's screen. what you have
0: to do and then the sport bible rips you off and that's the circle of life in the youtube twitter banter game um so there rob armstrong do go and give him a follow great guy uh until thursday Uh, when the Q&A podcast will be back. As always, have a
1: bloody great week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands.